Alright, well, how are you guys doing this morning? It's a, it's a little wet, a little cold, a little windy, but uh, we weren't going to cancel church. We're, stu- we're still here, so uh, we're excited to be here. Before we get going this morning, I want to uh, kind of give you guys an update of what we as the leadership uh, at Grace are thinking, uh, just with all the COVID stuff going around. Uh, a lot of you guys are asking questions, which are good. We want to answer some of those questions. Oh, we are planning on doing the drive-in uh, basically until we're able to get back in our buildings, okay? That's our, ish- that's our plan. Um, we think we'll be able to do that. The drive-in is, has been extremely gracious to us. They're letting us do this for free here. And, uh, and so, um, you know, they've, they've really been helpful in that area. And so that's, that's our plan. There might be a week in between. Uh, in between us getting back into our buildings, the week before, basically, is what I'm saying. We might do online only just for that one week, but uh, we're planning on being here, so make sure you come back here every Sunday, and, uh, and we're also planning on getting back into our buildings at the end of May, okay? Could that change? Yes, that could change. We don't know. Uh, things are changing all the time, but uh, Ohio is supposed to start opening back up this week, which we're excited about. And, uh, and we're thinking, hey, we'll give it a few weeks, and then we'll get back uh, to church in our buildings and do church in a clean, safe way. Um, and just to clarify one thing, because a lot of people, I don't think uh, we understand this, but uh, according to the stay-at-home order, right now, we as a church are allowed to be meeting in our buildings with, with, with you know, over the 10 people, you know, limit. We're allowed to meet there with any amount of people. And, uh, and, you know, at any time, okay, because churches are so far exempt from the Ohio stay-at-home order. That's different, I'm sure, in other states, but uh, for Ohio, that's, that's how it is. So technically, we could be there right now this morning, but we're trying to do it this way uh, to keep us as, uh, as the church healthy. And so uh, just want to say that we're not tr- disobeying anybody or going against the government. In, in any way, we're in full compliance with what the government's telling us to do, even if we were doing church in our buildings this morning. Uh, so just want to throw that out there. Uh, we're planning on being here, and we're planning on getting back in our buildings uh, by the end of May, so we're excited about that. It's a lot better teaching when you don't have, like, rain spraying you in the face, okay? So looking forward to that. Uh, hey, last week, um, AJ, started. we started a brand new series called Isolated But Not Alone. And AJ started talking to us about, uh, about this book called, the, called Philippians. And Paul is the one who actually writes this. He writes this to a huge city uh, called Philippi. Now, when you're writing about, uh, or when you're looking, reading the book of Philippians in the Bible, you got to understand that Paul's writing this to this church. And it's not like he's just writing it to some distant church that he's heard about once in a while. And so he's going to tell them, hey, you need to do life this way. That's not what's going on here. Right here. Paul's, Paul knows these people. He cares about these people. He loves these people. It's kind of like how we were talking about the book of Ephesians, which we looked at in, in January and February. But Paul knows these people. He loves these people. Actually, Paul's the guy who started this church. And so when he's writing it, and we're reading it, we got to remember that when Paul's writing this, he means it. Okay, like he cares. And so we just got to keep that in the back of our mind as we're reading the book of Philippians. Uh, last week, AJ got us talking about how we need to think big picture, 
okay, which is hard for us to do. We don't naturally do that. A lot of times we focus in on little slivers, little pieces of our life, and, and that like just takes up all our time, and we think about this and that and this problem all the time. That, that's not how we're supposed to be as Christians. All right, we got to keep in mind as the church that we are supposed to think big picture, that we have a mission, that we have a job to do, and that is to reach people for Jesus and, uh, and really, once we focus in on our job and our mission, think big picture, what God wants us to think, everything else just seems to melt away because it's not as important as our job. Now, before we get going this morning, we're going to add to what AJ was talking about last week. But before we get going this morning, I want to get us all on the same page. And that is this. I want us all to understand this. Christianity is meant to be lived in community. Right? Christianity was meant or is meant to be lived in community. It's not just your own personal, private relationship with God or walk with God. Right? I talk to people all the time. Actually, it kind of drives me crazy. I talk to people all the time that they view their relationship with God as, as their own. And, uh, and they think of it as, hey, my relationship with God is mine. It shouldn't matter to anybody else. And if I don't have a good relationship with God... What does that matter to, you know, to somebody else? Who, wh- they shouldn't even care because it only affects me and it's my decision and it's my life and I'm going to do what I want and eventually I'll get, I'll get around to it. And we get this idea that our relationship with God doesn't really affect anybody else. And let me just say this. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not true in any way. Right, we look at the book of Acts. Right? Acts was written by a Greek doctor uh, 2,000 years ago, and he's just telling us how, um, how, the, uh, how the, new, the New Testament church, how the new church started and, and what the first church was like. And uh, we see all throughout the book of Acts that we see fellowship and community. It's really one of the main parts of the church. It's what the church is supposed to have. It's what we're supposed to, it's what we're supposed to be. See, my walk... With God, it affects yours, and yours affects mine. See, Christianity is meant to be lived in community. It's called the church. And Paul, he actually tells us how. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. He says, make my joy complete. He says, hey, make me happy. All right, church, give me joy. He says, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, and intent on one purpose. All right, here, Paul, what he's doing is he's mentioning four different things. He says, hey, this is how the church should function. We should all think the same way, love each other, be united, and work together. Do you realize that God loves it when we're in community with each other? I mean, do you understand that? God loves it when we're in community with each other. Now, when I say community, I don't mean you live in the same town, all right? I'm not saying, oh, yeah, me and, and so-and-so, we live in Tiffin together, and we sometimes see each other at the store. So, yeah, we're in community, or, or hey, me and so-and-so, we're neighbors in Fremont or Clyde or wherever, and, uh, you know, we're neighbors, so, you know, we're out doing lawn work, and I see I give them away. Yeah, we're in community with each other. That's not what we're talking about here. When we're talking about community, we're talking about relationships. All right, we are supposed to be in relationships 
with each other. Not just any type of relationship. We're supposed to be in a relationship that is constantly growing and get going deeper. See, we're supposed to be doing life together. Now, if we're a parent, I feel like we kind of understand maybe a tiny bit of how God feels when we're in community because we love it when our kids are doing those four things that Paul mentions here. Like, you know, we love it when our kids think the same way. We love it when our kids show love towards each other. We love it when our kids are united. We love it when our kids work together. It just, uh, you, you know, usually doesn't last very long. Um, in our house, we got, fi- we got uh, two boys and, um, you know, once in a while, especially with this whole quarantine thing, they're always together. And it's like, hey, we, we'll get some little pockets during the day where they're not fighting with each other or taking something from, some, you know, from the other one. Right, moms, you get that five minutes of the day, you sit on the couch, right, and you're just like, ah, peace. You know, it just doesn't last that long. Some of you guys, um, you don't have kids yet, and so you don't maybe understand as much, but, but you were a kid once, and so you should also know. Like, think about it growing up, right? We're all growing up, mo- probably most of us here. Um, we had siblings, we had brothers and sisters. And you know how it is, like, in the car when you're growing up, um, first of all, the front seat, you know, shotgun, that's the best, okay? That's by far the best seat. That's where you want to be. You sit next to mom, I mean, th- or dad or whoever's driving. But think about it. You got the whole picture in front of you. You got the windshield. You got, you know, you got, you're surrounded by windows, all right? You got control of the radio. You got control of the AC or the heat. You know, you got all the vents right there. It's super, it's just way nicer. It doesn't stink like it does in the back. All right, but then there's like this, this invisible, like, barrier, okay? This, like, invisible line. And once you get past that invisible line, you get past the first row where all the kids are. It's like a war zone, right? I mean, it's like a war zone. The alliances, the teams, the strategies all going into just the the simple car ride with your brothers and sisters. See, many of us have carried that thinking into our adult life. And you know these types of people. Maybe you could think of those these type of people right now because these are the types of people that drama always follows them like everywhere workplace drama follows them in the home drama follows them all right it's just drama follows them everywhere and as I'm talking um to you know as I as I'm counseling and I talk to people like this almost a hundred percent of the time these people never think it's them all right so like right now if you're going right now oh I could think of this person at work, and their drama always follows them, and I don't get along with this person. Let me just say it could be you. Because almost 100% of the time, they don't understand that it's them. And almost 100% of the time, they're always blaming somebody else for the way that they act. They're blaming somebody else for the drama. See, that's not community. That's not to be the church. We are supposed to think the same way. We are supposed to have love, supposed to be united, and supposed to work together. See, I feel like we understand the concept of community and togetherness. Like we get it, you know, a team has to work together. You know, I I understand that. But the problem is we get it, but we don't do it. There's a variety of reasons why we don't. And if you were to trace each reason back of why we don't work together, or why we don't show love to each other, or why, you know, we aren't united. If you were to trace each reason back, you would understand that it all stems from selfishness. 
because we're selfish people. All right, we only like to worry about ourselves. All right, we only like to think about ourselves. See, we have the tendency to not be in community. We have the tendency to do our own thing. That's really our human nature. All right, for me personally, sometimes I don't feel like being with anybody. I like being by myself. I'm okay to be by myself. All right, but that's not how the, that's not really what the church is called to do. And so the question we should be asking ourselves is, how? How do we do it? How do we live in community the way that God is calling us as the church to live? Paul, he actually answers that in the next verse. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, he starts off by saying, he says, do nothing. You want to know how to do it? You want to know how to live the way that God has called us to live? Live the way that the church is supposed to live with each other and be in community with each other? He says, do this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. What's that mean? Basically, it means refuse to compete. Now, I'm all for competition. Um, I'm a competitive person. Sometimes I wish I wasn't so competitive because sometimes it messes me up and gets me in trouble. Sometimes it, uh, you know, I'll lose at something, which happens like once in a great while. I can't even remember the last time I lost, last time I lost at something. Uh, just kidding. But, uh, but you know, it just, sometimes it just bothers me. It shouldn't bother me. It's a stupid game or whatever it might be. Right? I remember one time. Um, I was dating Kate. I was in college. Actually, I was in graduate school. I was dating Kate. She was in Chicago, and so I went to Chicago for a couple days in the summer to visit her, and she was babysitting. And, um, and so she was babysitting, like, at her neighbor's house. And so I went over there, and I was over there for a little while, and they had three kids. And, and one of the, the, like, youngest boy, he was, like, I don't know, a second grader or something. And uh, the kid was cocky. Which really drove me nuts because, you know, because I got pride in my life. And I, you know, I don't have, want some little kid telling me what to do or what not to do or whatever, you know. And he was super competitive. He was super cocky. And I remember we were out in his backyard and he pointed up at this, like, giant tree that they had in their backyard. And he looked at me. He's like, I bet I can climb higher than you. And now think about it. I'm in college. I'm in graduate school. I'm mature like all college kids are. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking to myself. You know, I'm like, ah, don't give in to this kid. You know, he's just, you know, he's just a poor little second grader, but he is cocky. And uh, no, I said, no way. And uh, so he started climbing up the street. And he got to, he got pretty high. I'll give him, I'll give him props. It was all right. He got, he got pretty high. And he was like, yep, see where I am? Okay, we marked it in the sense. Like, all right, you were right by that weird branch right, right there, okay. And uh, he climbed down. And so then I started climbing the tree. And I got to where he stopped climbing, but I'm not in it just to, like, beat the kid. I'm in it to destroy this kid, okay? Because that's how I am, and I shouldn't be that way, and I'm sorry. But So I start climbing, and I climb, like, way higher than him, up to the top of the tree. Like, nobody could climb higher than this. I'm at the top of the tree where the tree's, like, like swaying in the wind. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I'm just holding on. And, um, and I, at this point, it's, like, 40 feet up in the air. It's a huge maple tree, and... And at this point, I could see over their two-story house, and I look, mom pulls in the driveway, right? I've never met this lady before. I don't know who she is. And here I am, some college student up, like, super high up in her tree. It was super embarrassing, and I wish I had never done it, and it got me in trouble. And, it, you know, she, she actually made a beeline for the backyard, 
and it takes like 10 minutes to get down. It takes a, long, takes a while. You know, and I got down finally, and she was like, so what you doing? And I'm like, uh, just climbing a tree, I guess. I don't know. I try to explain, but, you know, I look so stupid. See, friendly competition is fine at times when you're doing it for the right reasons. All right, one team versus another. But we, and, and we get that. But any team is brought down when members compete with each other. And we, we understand that. I mean, and the problem for us is if you were to think down deep, like think down deep in your life right now, most of our competition is not a friendly game. All right, it's not playing basketball with each other or playing some game or, you know, whatever. Most of our competition is with the people around us and it's within our minds. Because we're competitive and we like to compete with each other in our minds. And it's not friendly. See, any family is brought down when mom and dad compete with each other. You get that? By the way, our kids good at pitting mom up against dad. They're super good at this. Right? They're not even trying to hide it. Anytime mom and dad compete, there's going to be problems. Right? Anytime a husband and wife compete, there's going to be issues. Right? Anytime church members compete, there's going to be big problems. See, we are meant to live united. That's why Paul is saying do nothing out of selfish ambition. He's saying, hey, we need to be together. Don't compete with each other. Don't try to be the best one. He's like, don't be that way. He actually says more. Um, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Now, think about the word conceit real quick, right? Conceit is like, ugh, it's like a dirty word. I mean, none of us go around saying, hey, I'm so conceited. We don't do that. But you know what, a, the, the, you know what another word for conceit is? Pride. Now, I think more of us would, would be more prone to say, well, you know, I struggle with pride once in a while. That means you struggle with conceit. That's what Paul's trying to say. He's saying, hey, do nothing out of pride. Now think, there's a lot of things that we do in life that's based on pride. There's a lot of arguments that we don't let go because of our pride. There's a lot of times that we don't forgive, you know, there's a lot of forgiveness that we haven't dealt out. Why? Because of, because of our pride. I mean, we're constantly comparing ourselves to others because of pride. Right? You know what we do as Christians? We're super good at this as, as being the church as, as Christians because we're nice people, right? And so a lot of times, you know what we do? It's so funny to me. I mean, we all do this, even myself. It's just not good. But uh, what we do is we, we throw these like little, little darts at each other, like these little negative comments that we throw at each other and it kind of sticks. And, and, but we wrap it in a compliment to make it, to make it better. You know, like, uh, like just, just, just little ones. Like, hey, did you hear so-and-so got a new car? Oh, yeah, that's a really nice car. Yeah, man, that's a lot of debt. Or, hey, did you hear so-and-so, they got a, did you hear, he, you know, he just got a promotion. Oh, that's great. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, that's, that's a lot of more hours. You know, that's a lot of time he's going to have to take away from his family. Or I really, really like so-and-so. You know, she seems good, but did you, you know, her kids seem to be like out of control. See, what we are doing when we do this is like we're trying to bring others down to elevate ourselves up. 
and we push off each other. And this destroys community. And I feel like we as a church, we do this all the time. Okay, every single one of us, this, you know, we, we do this. But the church isn't supposed to be that way, right? The church is supposed to be a family. We are a team. We can't be letting pride ruin our relationships with each other. We can't be letting pride get in the way of our number one goal. We can't be letting pride uh, offend others. See, when it comes to community, we need to recognize our pride and we need to choose not to compete. The last part of verse 3, what Paul says is, he says, but in humility. So first he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but do the opposite. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Ah, Steve said he puts that in there, right? I read that and I'm like, man, how often do we do that? Consider others as more important than ourselves. That's not something we like to do. Uh, that's not something you like to do at work. Okay, none of us do. Right, consider others as more important than yourselves. And the next verse he says, everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. So number one, what Paul is trying to tell the Philippian church and what God is trying to tell us here this morning is he's saying, hey, number one, we need to have humility. And that's the opposite of pride. And number two, we need to view others as more important than ourselves. Now, let me just say one thing about humility. Humility is not viewing yourself as worth less than others. Okay, that's not what humility is. It's not you having a low self-esteem. It's not you walking around and saying, oh, look at me. You're so much better than me. Oh, I'm so low. I'm worth so less. That's not what humility is. Actually, humility is not really thinking about yourself at all. Okay? Basically, what Paul's saying here. Is he saying, whenever you are around people, which happens a lot, we need to act as if everyone is more important than us. Like you walk into a room, everyone in that room is more important than you. Alright, that's how we need to think. When you walk into the home, you walk in the front door, you need to think to yourself, hey, everyone here is more important than me. You walk into church, everyone here is more important than me. You walk into the grocery store, everyone here is more important than me. You walk into the workplace, which again, has got to be the hardest. Your, your mindset needs to be, everyone here is more important than me. It doesn't matter if you're the boss. It doesn't matter if you're the supervisor or the manager or the owner. The way your attitude should be is, everyone here is more important than me. I mean, right now in your cars, Right? If you're with somebody, I mean, just, just take a second and look at them. It's going to be kind of awkward. Don't make awkward eye contact, or maybe that's okay. I don't know. You should know them. That'd be weird if you didn't. But, uh, but think to yourself right now, or just say out loud, say, hey, you're more important than me. All right, some of you guys are just sitting there in silence, and that's more awkward. But uh, see, that's our mindset as Christians, as the church. It's an attitude. That's what Paul says in the very next verse, in verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. See, it's an attitude. It's all on the inside. All right, now listen, I get it. I totally understand. All right, some people are annoying. 
some people they rub you the wrong way. It's hard. They're hard to get along with, especially you know, especially at work, because you know we don't necessarily choose who we get to work with. But some people, you know, I'm talking to some people, and it's just like, are you trying to be like as difficult as possible, or are you just like naturally this way? We're like, what's wrong with you? All right, I understand. I work with AJ like every day. All right? Yeah, there we go. Okay, AJ. That person agreed with me, but I work with AJ. I know how it is to work with difficult people. It's annoying. Actually, AJ was supposed to be speaking today, but he wanted to go turkey hunting this weekend, so I switched with him last week, and so he spoke last week when it was windy but dry, and here I am this week. So talk about difficult. It's annoying. But uh, see, some people are so hard to be humble around, right? Some people are so hard to have the attitude because you're like, they already think they're better than me. And that bothers us. And you're like, why do I, I don't want to act like they're more important than me. They already act like, like, you know, that they're more, they already think that they're more important than me. And they're actually not. And we're worth the same, you know, it's all that stuff. But that should be our attitude. I get, and God understands that some people are difficult and some people are hard. But that doesn't mean, hey. Be humble around the easy people. It's easy to be humble around. You know, that's not what God's saying. You're supposed to be humble around everybody. Um, the next verse, in verse 5. So adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And you know what he did, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago at Easter. Right? Paul says, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. And so instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. Right, Paul's pointing to our perfect example. He's like, hey, think about Jesus. This happened just a, just a few, you know, just a couple decades before Paul's writing this. And Paul's saying, hey, think about what just happened with Jesus. Perfect example. Jesus is God up in heaven doing his God stuff. And then he decides to come down to earth. He empties himself of his power and takes on the form of a puny man. Born in the dirt. And then, in the next verse he says, And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And then Paul adds, even death on a cross. Like not only did God come down and take the form of a man, and he humbled himself, but he humbled himself to the point of death. Even the worst type of death, death on a cross. He's our perfect example. And he did that because he loves us. By the way, you know what's crazy? Do you realize that 2,000 years ago that Jesus prayed for us here this very day? At the drive-in, Grace Community Drive-in. Right? In John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus prays to the Father. This is what Jesus says. He says, I pray not only for these. He's talking about his disciples that are, who are there. He says, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's the majority of us. He says, may they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was praying for us this very day. It's kind of funny to me because we're always asking Jesus to answer our prayers, prayers, but here we can actually be a part of the answer that Jesus prayed for. How? By being in community with each other. By being one is what Jesus is saying. By the way, did you catch why? 
Did you catch why Jesus was praying for us here today to be one? He says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. See, the reason we are supposed to be united, the reason why we're supposed to think the same way, the reason why we're supposed to work together, the reason why we're supposed to show love is so that we can reach people, so that we can help save people from the reality of hell. And all of us, I'm assuming all of us, we know people. We got people in our families. We got people, you know, we got people who are our friends. We got people in our workplaces that are literally on the road to hell. It's a real place. See, that's the point of our life. That's so much more important than anything else in our life. See, our point, our life is not to compete with each other. It's not to build ourselves up while putting others down, not to step off each other, not to act like we're better than others. All things that every single one of us want, it's not what we Christians are about. See, we should be about doing whatever we possibly can to reach as many people as we possibly can for Jesus. See, think about it. How are people supposed to come to God when they see his people fighting with each other? You ever think about that? Fighting each other in the home or the workplace or the church. Like, how are people supposed to come to God when they see his people doing life alone? Why would any common sense person want a relationship with God when they see disunity? See, that's why Jesus is praying for us that day. He was praying for us because he gets it. He understands. He understands how seriously important community is among God's people. See, every single one of us, we may be isolated right now with the COVID thing. We may be isolated, but for just a short time. But we are not supposed to be alone. And we're not alone as the church. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you for coming and emptying yourself for us. Not something you had to do, something you chose to do out of your love for us. And God, we ask that uh, you would help us to show love to each other, to live in community together by showing love for each other and being united and working together to what you have called us to do. God, we can only do that with your help. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.